This is Cody Smith, and you're listening to the Create Yourself Podcast. What is up, you guys, and welcome back to the show today. Today is part two uh, of Principles of Program Design. So this has been a really cool thing for me going through these principles because for years and years and years I've made programs. I've done this for my clients for literally years. But what's really cool is to see these principles being put onto paper or being talked about now. Because what a coach can do is they can take these principles and concepts and make their programs better. Or if there's an athlete out there or a client listening to this of any coach or any gym, you can go and you can really see what type of product you are getting because I'm here to tell you if these principles aren't in there, you're being cut short and you're, 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 you're not getting an, an exceptionally planned out and thoughtful service. So I'm really cool to be sharing these principles and I hope you guys are getting something from it too. Now, do me a favor. Before we jump into the show today, I really need you guys to go into iTunes, give me a five-star rating and review, tell me what you like about the show, tell me about guests that you want to have on, Basically, I just want to know how I'm doing with the show and see who is getting impacted from this. My goal with this is to give all sorts of training and nutritional information and even some entrepreneurial business stuff for free, right? Again, education is going to be the key to anybody getting real results with their body or with their business. So I hope you're getting something out of this for sure. Um, And then after that, go ahead and take a screenshot with your phone, post on your Instagram story and tag me in it. I am at the CF7C coach. If you go ahead and tag me on Instagram, I want to know who I'm reaching and who is getting value from this content, and then uh, possibly we can start up a conversation. Now, without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump to the show. This is part two of Principles of Program Design. All right, and welcome back to the show. You guys, this is part two of the Principles of Programming series. This is one that I'm super passionate about just because I really love educating people around what exactly happens behind the scenes with making a great program? And sometimes I just think that people believe it to be like, oh man, you would just throw some some reps and some exercises and some some sets in there and add a couple of rest periods and we got a great program. But when we're talking in principles and fundamental concepts behind what makes a great program great, there, there's a there's a bunch of things to consider. So we, we jumped into a couple of these principles in part one, but in In this part, we're going to jump a little bit further and it's going to be a deeper dive into a few different subjects. So today I'm going to be touching on expression of strength and the type of uh, strength expressions that we have or or that we do within our programming. And then the next one is going to be the body's response to training. So there's a there's a very specific definition that I want to go into there and help, excuse me, and help people to understand how the body responds to training. And then the the last one is how to plan. Because I, I just find that sometimes if we don't plan, the if we don't have any thought or any planning behind a program or what we're doing as coaches for our, our clients, then we're, we're just setting them up from failure. And and essentially it's a it's a very simple way to approach programming, but it's gonna start with a conversation with your client. So um, we're gonna we're gonna jump into these different principles today and 
see where they take us. And, and, and as always, you guys, feel free to, to you know, send me questions or to hit me up on Instagram and let me know. Just because, again, man, educating people behind this and, and helping you know, coaches or clients or athletes to understand like what goes into these workouts that we do just really fills me up and really uh, gets me going just because I can remember that when I started training and when I started doing workouts, essentially my education, you know, podcasting wasn't really big then. There wasn't a ton of, of different YouTube videos out there. There wasn't a bunch of courses or, or a lot of other great educational uh, producing people out there. So we were really left to like what was in magazines, like whatever mu- muscle and fitness or men's health or uh, any other fitness magazine that I could get my hands on. Essentially, whatever they said was what I went off of. And I found myself just doing workouts and them either not getting me results or me just not understanding what was going on with them. Because back in the day, like making, like programming, making workouts, coaching, it was all secretive. Like nobody wanted to share their secret. Everybody was pushing their method or their philosophy instead of just putting out like, look, this is how you do it. I mean, and 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 the beauty that goes into coaching is the coaching through that program, not necessarily the program itself. Um, so again, like I'm, there's no shame in my game. I want to share this information with people so that, you know, maybe they can do it on their own, but I know at the end of the day that accountability and coaching comes huge into play with this kind of stuff. So the the first topic I want to touch on is uh, expression of strength. And and I actually have a very specific way of thinking about this thanks to uh, James Fitzgerald of OPEX Fitness. He really is super passionate about this. But when you think about like your body's ability to express strength, essentially we're talking about um, the the story of your body's muscle contractions, right? So again, like when your muscles, when you're doing an exercise or you're doing a workout, essentially like your body is going through muscle contractions during that time. And and to name out these different uh, ways of muscle contractions, I'm just going to go through them and list them out. So the first one is muscle endurance. The second one is strength endurance. The third is max effort. And think of that as like, you know, your one, two, three, four, five rep maxes. <clears throat> the next one is aerobic muscle contractions, and the last one is battery. So I, I'm going to jump a little bit into muscular endurance, and, and think of muscular endurance as like your body's ability, or or the muscle or group of muscles like that. Your body's ability for your muscles to do repeated contractions against uh, a load or an exercise or a movement over a period of time. So when you think about muscular endurance, also think of that as the beginning of a person's journey through fitness, right? Like when everybody comes into fitness and they start doing exercises and stuff like that, they should be doing muscular endurance work for the first few years of their, of their journey. But this also continues. So think of uh, like uh, muscular endurance is... It's like the fountain of youth for most people, and it's going to ensure that you have like a healthy body and healthy joints and, and ligaments and tendons for you know a good period of time. And muscular endurance, it, it, we're not talking like very hard contractions yet. We're just talking about your body's ability to do movement repeatedly over time without fatiguing out. Um, and, and there is an end time to that, but generally speaking, in, in reference to this, we're just talking about like your body's ability to just do 
muscle contractions for uh, you know a good amount of time. So muscular endurance is where I start all of my athletes at, depending on where they are, like what their training age is, past workout history, limitations, etc. I, I I do muscle endurance work, especially when they're first starting out. Uh, the group programming at my gym is something that we do periodically throughout the week. And the thing to remember about muscular endurance work is you don't just do it in the beginning of your journey, but you do it throughout your entire journey. So maybe you start, you come into the game, the fitness game, and you start with just muscular endurance work. This continues periodically throughout your entire journey through fitness. It doesn't just end. It doesn't end in the beginning. It just starts in the beginning and goes periodically throughout the entire time. So think of that as like a layer of your body's ability to express strength. And then moving on from there, the next expression way is something called strength endurance. So strength endurance is, it's like a specific form of strength, right? It's its like you displaying strength in activities that require like a long duration of uh, like muscular tension with like a slight, dec- with minimal decrease in efficiency. So think of strength endurance as like now your muscle contractions are getting a little bit harder meaning you can lift a little bit more and you can do that consistently over time. And we want we when you think of strength endurance, it's not just making a really hard or making a heavy-ish lift, you know, a few times, but making that heavy-ish lift over and over and over again without losing like your body's ability to produce force. Strength endurance is is pretty cool because if you think about like muscular endurance, it's like uh, just your body's being your body's ability to contract over a period of time. When we're talking strength endurance, is now after a person has gone through enough muscular endurance in the beginning of their fitness journey, now they're able to contract their muscles a little bit harder and continue those contractions over a period of time too. Um, I think most people that come into training could probably do pretty well just bouncing between muscular and strength endurance. Because really, at the end of the day, I find that the, the, the max effort stuff and the aerobic muscle contractions and battery, I find that that's mostly, that mostly should be reserved for people who want to do some sort of performance endeavor or they want to compete in some sort of sport. So if you're a person that just for the most part wants to you know, live long and prosper, be strong, uh, and I mentioned this in a, po- a previous podcast, like essentially just be harder to kill, like that, man, I need to find out where that quote comes from. Um, if you essentially just want to live long and prosper and be strong enough to like to just function in life, muscular and strength endurance is where you should spend the majority of your time. So if you find yourself, and this is like, this always goes back to the mental component. Like if you're chasing one rep maxes or five rep maxes or anything like that, if you find that you're chasing these numbers or you're chasing your body's ability to um, get stronger beyond like maybe a specific need. This is where we tie back into like a person's why, like a why or like what a person wants. Because like at the end of the day, if if you say your goal or you know deep down your goal is to just live long and prosper, but yet you find yourself getting frustrated because you're not improving one rep max, two rep max, three rep max. At the end of the day, does that really matter? Now, maybe mentally it matters. Maybe mentally you want to see that those numbers, you know, increase on on all your various lifts. But the thing to remember is that if you're just looking for general fitness and general health, 
you're gonna do just fine spending most of your time in the muscular and strength endurance. If you're doing muscle contractions and you're, you're putting your body against resistance, AKA you're, you're, you're lifting weights and you're, you're asking your body to, to um, perform various forms of resistance training, then muscular and, muscular and strength endurance is gonna be fantastic for you. And you don't have to worry about so much venturing into the max effort stuff. And, and, and I'm going to be honest, I was guilty of this too, but it's now it's a conversation that I have pretty regularly with, uh, with my clients. It's like, just remember that at the end of the day, what do you really want? And what, like, why do you want it? What are you trying to do? Like asking yourself these questions really help, really helps you to conceptualize like what you want, because depending on your job or your function or, you know, your career path, more often than not, I find through my, you know, 10 years of coaching people, um, you don't need to worry about so much about the max effort stuff. You do just fine with the first two components. Now, we are going to move on. I do want to move on from that, and I want to jump into what the next level is going to be, just because there, there very well could be some people listening to this, and I'm pretty sure there are, um, people that do want to do performance-based or competitive, you know, endeavors, or inde- endeavors, uh, endeavors using um, strength training. So, when we're talking about max effort strength, that is, that's like lifting a maximum load against like a max, you know, doing a maximum load or resistance. And and this isn't just reserved to like a one, two or three rep max. I mean, anything maximal, this is lifting um, a maximum load for whatever designated amount of repetitions and, and doing it for one set or for one time. Now, this is a great tool for strength. This is a great this is a great way to like express your muscular and strength endurance put together. But again, like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back on this this soapbox for a second and just remember that max effort strength is is essentially like a it needs to be reserved for maybe people that participate in a certain sport, they want to perform at a certain level. Or, or, you know, maybe it's part of their sport, whatever. At the end of the day, the max effort strength is, is something that should be worried about if you're using it for a specific thing. And, and again, before you, like, and this is something that <clears throat> I see a lot of people get wrong, is, you know, th- there are some junior coaches out there that will make clients, uh, and I was one of them for a long time, that will make clients chase you know, a one rep max or a new three rep max. I'm talking like beginning clients, clients that are just fresh to, you know, a gym or a workout program. And and this is something I did early on. But now the thing to remember is like, let's say, for instance, we're doing a group class and the, the workout that day is, you know, three heavy set of three reps on the strict barbell overhead press. And in that class, I have anywhere between like a person with a training age of like five to six years all the way down to a person with a training age of like two weeks. So on that spectrum, what I am going to do as a coach and what I do for my clients in my gym is I go to these clients individually. And this is the beauty of getting, you know, personal training essentially in a group atmosphere. I'll go to each one of those clients on a personal level and I'll tell my beginning client like, hey, we've been at this for two weeks. I know it says heavy set of three on the, on the board. I want you to do five to six sets of three that are tough where you're leaving two to three reps in the tank. And what I'm doing there is essentially assigning to them submaximal work. 
submaximal work allows them to get an adequate amount of muscular endurance completed without essentially pushing too much into the strength or the max effort range. And, and that's a beautiful thing because that same client can get a great workout in the same environment as the person who has a training age of five to six years, where I'm going to tell them to take, you know, workup sets and work to a tough set of three that is going to be more in that max effort strength range. So the, the new client in the room is going to get great muscular endurance work. And then the advanced client in the room is going to be able to work from muscular endurance to strength or to strength endurance into the max effort or into the max effort side. And this, and this is a pretty cool concept and it's something that's, you know, you know, whether, whether clients are paying attention to this or not, this is something that happens throughout every single class or every single group class that you're in at a gym that is essentially adhering to these principles inside of their program design. And, and knowing that these expressions of strength are there are, and are at our, expo- or at our disposal to use, we should also know as a coach when to use those. And in a group setting, we should know how to give our clients the appropriate direction to express these strengths uh, adequately. Now, so we've gone through muscular endurance. We jumped on strength endurance. We went into max effort muscle contractions. Now, here's where we get into the what I believe to be like the more performance-based side in, in reference to like expression of strength. So the next part of this is going to be where we're talking about essentially aerobic muscle contractions. Now, here is a – if you think about aerobic muscle contractions, when you hear the word aerobic, you have to think like um, in the presence of oxygen and like uh, the appropriate amount of fuel in the person's body. Now, what's beautiful about an aerobic, uh, aerobic muscle contraction is it's like a, a form of expressing strength where your muscles can contract repeatedly, right, without fatigue. Now, like automatically when you hear the, the word aerobic, you need to think sustainable. And, and what's beautiful about like aerobic, meaning sustainable, is that when we hear the word anaerobic, right, anaerobic means in the presence or without the, with a lack of oxygen and adequate fuel, right? And anaerobic means unsustainable. So here's a beautiful thing about, we'll talk, and and this is something, um, I actually wrote extensively about this in a blog recently. When we're talking in reference to like CrossFit Games athletes or high performing functional fitness athletes or really any high performing athlete for that matter, what these athletes are doing are taking a, a anaerobic or a strength, muscular endurance, max effort, you know, whatever you want, all the other, all the previous expressions of strength, they're taking these levels of strength and they're turning it into an aerobic environment. And when you think about that, it's crazy because I can remember sometimes, you know, uh, Casey Campbell used to train with us and I coached her for a long time at our gym. And what was always cool was, and, and to see these principles at work, was to watch her do a workout that, you know, you know, she's been training for a long time. She's worked well through the spectrum of expressions of strength. Um, she focused a lot on the various types of strength too. So she was just a very high-performing athlete. So to watch her do a workout that somebody else would do and to see the person who did it with her lying on the ground rolling around after because they were doing... Um, instead of what the workout was intended to be, which would be maybe, 
you know, some workouts are intended, depending on the time domain, to be more of like an an aerobic-based event. To see them both do this aerobic set type of workout, Casey was able to completely turn this workout into an aerobic-based effort and, and felt fine when she was done. But the person she would do it with would be lying on the ground, rolling around. And instead of that person turning it in, being able to turn it into an aerobic event, they had turned it into a threshold event to where they were essentially grinding and they were just mentally fighting through the workout. And, and, and what's crazy about that is because she, because of her high level of fitness, she took this very, she took what to another athlete appeared to be anaerobic uh, in the beginning and then turning into threshold training. She took that workout and was able to make it into an aerobic event. She could just sustain these consistent muscle contractions for very, very, very long periods of time. So if you wanna, if you wanna recap this a little bit, Muscular endurance and aerobic muscle contractions are not the same thing. So muscular endurance is just your body's ability to contract for like a short period of time or for a good period of time, we'll say. Strength endurance is contracting hard for a period of time. Max effort is contracting maximum for a short period of time. And then aerobic muscle contractions are contracting your muscles continuously, continuously, continuously for long periods of time, if not forever. And, and, and when you think about that, like these CrossFit Games athletes and these high-performing athletes are taking workouts that are unsustainable for people, and they're sustaining them for longer than everybody else, and they're just fine after. And what that really tells me is that let's take a workout that's 15 minutes long, have a high-performing athlete perform this workout, and then have them rest. Maybe rest rest work ratio should be identical. So if the workout's 15 minutes, maybe have them take a 15 minute break and then ask that athlete to repeat that workout again. And what these high performing athletes are able to do is they're able to replicate that same 15 minutes of work with a rest in between. And what that tells me is that even if we did this a third time, they rested 15 minutes and did it again, they could still replicate that work because they're making these workouts into aerobic contractions. So at the end of the day, if you're an athlete listening to this or a client listening to this, and your goal is to perform, your goal is to, you know, compete in a sport like CrossFit or functional fitness or whatever it may be, your goal is to develop all your body's abilities to express strength. And your goal is to over time, and this takes years and years for some people, sometimes a little bit shorter, but over time you want to make your body um, able to turn these muscle contractions and to turn these workouts, all of them almost, into an aerobic-based event. And, And again, like let's take into consideration every person has a maximum physical potential. Every person has a potential ability to do things. So taking that into consideration is something that we really need to do both as a coach of people and and then as a participant in programming or training. Now, moving on from there, we're, we're going to move from um, aerobic-based contractions and we're going to go into the final expression, which is battery. So the best way to explain battery is in, in reference to like strength expression, is it's essentially like your body's ability to do max effort muscle contractions over and over and over and over again. So think about it, it like the, and why it's called battery is because let's take a client and it's a power clean. That power clean for that client is like 90%-ish plus, right? 
And that client can continuously, or, the, or maybe it's you, this person can continuously do this power clean at that 90% plus effort, can just do it, drop it, shake it out, take a second, do it, drop it, take a second, shake it out. And they do this for a short period of time and they're able to continuously do this. So they are essentially draining their battery, recharging, and then essentially doing it again, recharging, doing it again. So simply thinking of battery in the sense of that is it's it's an ability to express strength but a an ex, the same level of strength at a very high level over and over and over again and and before you can even do these things before you can do battery or max effort or any of these other methods you have to be able to do all the other stages first so there's nothing you get from this conversation more than anything is that when it when we're expressing strength or we're, we're moving our way through training, um, it's important to consider that we have to earn our rights to be able to do all these things. And, and sometimes you have to police yourself a little bit in a group fitness model because you have to think of that weight is pretty heavy for me. You know, I'm, I'm just beginning, I'm just beginning this thing. I probably shouldn't be approaching this workout in, 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 I can't talk today, guys. I'm really sorry. In a expression form of like battery or max effort until I've spent adequate time developing the other pieces. Now, moving on from there, I hope I have beat the expression of strength horse dead. Next part of this that I really want to touch on, and this is a topic that I love because um, coaches all over the place need to be taking these things into consideration. Um, your body's uh, response to training. Now, the, the important part of this entire conversation around this is how your body responds to training will be different in the beginning of your of your training age all the way to the ending the end of your your training age so your your rate of adaptation right like the 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 rate at which your body responds to your workouts is going to decrease over time we've all experienced it we've all experienced the beginner gains your first year to two years. For most people, I've seen under two years. Like my, most of the clients that I've trained, under two years, there's just some amazing progress. We we just we progress so fast. We put on some insane amounts of muscle, but then that slows down in the intermediate phase, and then as we get to advanced, that slows down even more. So your 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 body is going to respond differently to training throughout your entire fitness journey, and and also obviously your 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 skills and how quick you recover uh, are coming to play here too. Um, but when we're discussing like your body's response to training, what we're really discussing is something called a dose response. So if, if you think of dose response in like a scientific manner, it's what the body does in response to exposure or stimulus of a, like a specific stressor, right? So how your body responds to a set of 10 squats, like what that response is going to be is what you would call your dose response. Now, when it comes to the the, the dose response, it's important that a coach um, takes into consideration the response that he wants a person to get from his workouts or his program or her her workouts or program. Sorry, um, the the coach needs to think of what they want their dose response to be and think of how they want their their clients body to respond to training and and this is where some some 
some of the more complex thinking comes in because you have to think about different workouts and, and the certain time domains or what this aerobic-based workout is going to feel like to my particular client or group or what you want it to be and make sure you notate that or have your coaches explain that if you're doing like a group fitness thing. So keeping the, the dose response in mind helps you to really understand how a person's going to respond to training and how that person's particular or how that particular person's body's going to respond to training. So dose response is a principle that I believe you should really pay attention to when you're making workouts. And it, and it makes it it makes it all the more better to to essentially lay out something ideal for a particular person. Oh man, I get some water after this. I'm sitting home all by myself, doing my thing. Give me a second here. All right, now, last piece of the puzzle, you guys. Planning, okay? Planning workouts, super important. Like, literally making a plan for a person's workout is just reverse engineering, essentially. So thinking of this in stages is the best way to go about it. So the, the first stage is to start with like when you're making a, an overall plan for, I've heard this be called like the three P's before, which is like prioritize, periodize, plan. Um, I think of it in five stages. That's just the best way that I go about it. And, it, and it's, a, it's a step process that I go through with every single new client that comes into my group and uh, every single new client that I program for online or um, do an individual design program for. You always have to start at step one or stage one, which is the goal. Like, what does the person want? What do you want and why? So a lot of people stop at the want. But if you don't have an, a valid why for why you want that and it's not deep enough, like sometimes I talk about this a lot, is like we may ask our clients or, or you may decide on a goal, but you have to know why you want that goal. What is the burning desire? Why why did you come and, and, and seek out a coach or a program or anything of that nature? Why do you want that goal? And then if we can take what a person wants and tie it into why they want it, then we're going to truly be on to something. Because if we don't have the why laid out, then we're in big trouble because we're not going to be able to um, essentially get that person where they want to go because maybe they don't even know. So from there, once we have a valid goal, we have a what and a why, we're going to move into the focus. So a focus is, you could say that, um, I think a focus is like, what are we prioritizing in a person's program, right? So the focus are, you know, maybe the person has a goal and throughout that goal, there's going to be like a hundred steps. Well, what are the first one to five things that we need to develop first? And we need to create a, an extreme focus on those things so that we can move on to the steps from there, right? And, and if we think about like that same example of like a hundred steps, we do the focus portion or we go through the stage of focus first and then we move into periodize. So within those hundred steps, we want to create specific phases, right? Because within each phase, there's going to be a bunch of pieces in there and it's important to focus on each phase and plan them out because we can't train or do the same things all the time inside of programming or workouts. We have to move those things around and we have to make sure that we have focus within those phases. 
Now the last part is planning, right? So when when we're when we're in when we are planning training, there, you know, it's pretty simplistic, but we have to have a planning phase. Obviously, right? We do goal, we focus, we periodize, and then we plan all of those three stages before, and we lay them out and we execute on them, right? Because once we have the goal, we've created focus, we've we've uh, laid out our phases, and then we're gonna plan which phase we're gonna go through at which time. Okay, and then the last part of this is gonna be reassess and test. Is what we're doing working? We check our progress and we course correct as we need, right? So we, we know what the goal is. We have a focus for that goal. We have laid out phases. We've planned those phases now, and then we reassess and test, right? So when you think about it in, in simplistic terms, this is something I do for all my clients. Every single one of my clients has, uh, we go through a goal, a goal setting phase. Then we create focuses. I plan those phases out. And then we reassess and test. And then we course correct as we need, right? So sometimes maybe we try one set of things and it doesn't work. The person's body doesn't respond the way that it needs to. Then it's easy for us because we reassess and test to go back through and to move things around as we need to. Now, within these plans, we also have a couple other things going on here. So in reference to principles, within this plan, we're essentially going to be moving through a couple different types of muscle contractions, right? So I love to think, to, to explain this planning phases um, as in we're going through essentially accumulation and intensification phases. So accumulation is essentially where we are building volume and repetitions, right? We're doing higher volume, more sets, more reps, etc. And then we intensify, which is essentially we lower the reps, we do less sets, but we do higher weights. And then we reassess within that too. So bouncing throughout these phases in our laying out of the plan just is going to make sure that we are doing enough variance within our planning, within our phases, so then we reassess and test, hopefully we get a great outcome. So um, essentially that is part two, you guys. That's all I, uh, all I got in reference to that. Um, it's really cool to go through this because I can see this intermingled in all of the programs I do. And, and something that's really new to me is really articulating, uh, re-articulating what I've done for so long. Sometimes as coaches, when we've been in the game for a while, we do things for so long, we forget that all these principles are in play because they're just in our head. But then when we put out, well, what is the, the secret sauce behind my programs? And we go into this a little bit. It's interesting to really do this insight for me because putting my methods to, putting my methods to work and putting my methods on, essentially putting them on paper is really, really cool to see these all at play. So I hope you get something out of this. If you are a client and you happen to have a coach or you go to a gym, you should be using this these principles to audit them. You know, like what, what does the programs look like? Do you do the same things all the time? I sit down with people all the time and they're constantly telling me that they're bored of the workout program. They're doing the same thing for years and they're not getting any results. Well, put these principles behind it and you're for sure going to get some results. Well, this is the end of it, you guys. Hope you got something out of it. This was part two in Principles of Program Design and we'll talk to you next time. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I hope you got some value and some tools to take away to create yourself and create a life and engineer it to what you can be proud of. Now, do me a favor. Podcasts live, breathe, and die off of ratings and reviews on iTunes. So do me a favor before you go. Head on over to iTunes. Give me a five-star rating and review. Tell us something that you love about the podcast. Talk about guests that you want to have on. In general, we just want to get some feedback and know how this podcast is going and if it's helping people. Now, thank you, and we look forward to talking to you next time.